And I want to remind you of an extremely important function that you have on your, both your computer and your phone, and it's called do not disturb. And the other piece, and particularly on your phone, it's airplane mode. You're listening to Dr. Heidi Forbes-Zesta, whose work as a behavioral scientist has pulled back the curtain on interesting and sometimes disturbing trends in our relationships with our digital devices. This isn't a toss-your-phone-in-the-trash show. They're quite useful, after all, but you will want to get things under control when they become too stressful or distracting. And you're about to learn how, because Dr. Heidi is today's guest on Solopreneur Success. Welcome to the Solopreneur Success Podcast, where successful business owners gather to share true stories and sound advice to help you start and grow your own solopreneur business. Come soar with us and design the life you love. Now, here's your host, Steve Combs. Hello, solopreneurs. Do you find yourself constantly checking in on social media? Feel totally lost without your phone by your side for five minutes? Maybe you simply have a love-hate relationship with the tech in your life. Many of us struggle with creating healthy boundaries around our relationships with technology, and it's really just getting worse with many of us trapped at home with COVID. So I'm happy to have Dr. Heidi Forbes-Zesta as my guest today. She's a behavioral scientist, author of the best-selling Digital Mastery Series, and host of the Evolving Digital Self and Global Nomad Hacks podcast. So Dr. Heidi knows why tech is such a challenge how to ensure your digital well-being in this teched-up world. So I'm really happy to have this conversation. Dr. Heidi, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Steve. Nice to be here. Hey, I've been looking forward to this conversation for a while now. I know for myself, I'm on the phone quite a bit, and I don't answer phone calls, but I'm on there checking Facebook or checking my, I'm an Amazon seller now as well, so I'm checking my Amazon seller reports or whatever. It's like nonstop picking up the phone, checking something. And then 10 minutes later, and pick up the phone again. It almost seems like we are tethered to this device. And I don't know that's always healthy from a perspective of productivity or even well-being. And I think you'd probably agree with that assessment. So I'm going to jump right in, just ask you, what's going on in our world with this tech? Well, for one thing, it's all being consolidated into one space. So our like what used to be our Rolodex and our calendar and our telephone imagine that telephone, our typewriters, all of these different things, our fax machine, everything is being consolidated into one particular device. And not only that, is it becoming our bus ticket, our our plane ticket, our booking device, our shopping device. So it's very hard to separate out that which is necessary and that which is not necessary. Because, you know, maybe you were the one that sat at the dining room table and read the newspaper for an hour every morning. Now you're sitting at your phone instead. And then, of course, just like when we first early stages of the internet, where you get sort of curious about one thing and you click onto another and you click onto another and you go down that digital rabbit hole. And now it's even easier to do that because everything is accessible through that one particular device. And a lot of us, particularly those of us in Gen X, I would say, because we're sort of in that sandwich generation, having had a lot of digital tech, but also uh, still being used to using the analog. And so we try to do both. It can cause this incredible overwhelm. We're not natives, but we're, we're still trying to figure it all out. So balancing that relationship and creating healthy boundaries has become a big challenge for a lot of us. 
Yeah. And it's interesting you say about Gen X in particular, and we kind of grow up kicking a ball in the street or whatever, but also moving in. I remember as a teenager, that's when I first got into like computers, for example. And of course, we didn't have digital phones back then. The phone was on the wall, but it grew from there. And, and some young kids today, like my teenagers are like, okay, phone to the wall. What does that mean? They might remember that when you're a little kid. I don't know. But this is what we're used to now. We're used to everywhere we go, we, we're instantly in contact with the world and the world's instantly in contact with us unless we learn to shut that device off. And I've personally went through times where I'll say, okay, I'm just going to get off of everything. I've like shut down news. And for a large part, I still ignore the news. I just don't go on it. I just find that's healthier for me and my mental well-being. I don't need to bother with that every day and checking in constantly what's going on in the world. I figure if something big's happening, somebody's going to let me know. And I've found that to be true. But I do find myself constantly drawn into other ways of using the device. So let's talk about the impact. I think that's really where we want to realize it does have an impact in your life. It has an impact on your family because when somebody's trying to talk to you and your nose is in the phone, we're sometimes a little short with people we love. And like, okay, well, I'm, I'm doing something right now. I'm, I'm typing this text message. Can you give me a minute? It's always somebody else has more value to our instant time, it seems like than the person who's right in front of our face. And that's really a sad commentary, but I think that's true for many of us and something to be aware of perhaps. What is your experience in this? And you're, you're seeing this a lot more than I am because this is where you focus. I would say yes, and I think there's a lot of different, there's the good and the bad of this. So as I talked about before, like it's so much more than just our phone now. And so we've always been challenged for attention, but now our attention is all drawn to one direction to this one device that accomplishes all these different tasks and things that we need to do. And it's those boundaries that haven't really been clearly defined. And I think in the early stages of the internet and while I was doing my research, a lot of the conversation around how do we do this in a healthy way was building contracts. And we were focusing on the kids. The kids are doing it wrong. They're overusing devices. They're, you know, when in actuality, they actually have a lot better boundaries than we do because for them, it, it's more natural. And so it was more sort of, okay, we want to create this contract of when you can use your phones, how you can use your phones, but we don't do it for ourselves. So you have the parent that's standing on the sideline at their kid's soccer game and they're busy texting and they're busy reading the news. And I mean, just because you're, you can doesn't mean you should, right? And then I think that's really what it comes down to in most cases just because you can doesn't mean you should. And you need to rebuild the self-awareness of those bad behaviors that we have been picking up. And But along with just because you can doesn't mean you should, we also have to recognize that everyone has different requirements and needs. And so you can't put sort of one fixed guideline that works for everybody. So for me to say, oh, well, you should only have, you know, your kids should only have access to a phone or a tablet one hour a day, or you shouldn't be, you know, should or should not do things. It doesn't make any sense because everyone's environment is different. Yeah, especially now with a lot of kids, talking about kids, they're in school on a device. Many of them, public schools are doing remote learning right now in my city. That's how they do it. And we homeschool in our family. So that's a different situation. But at the same time, we've had our kids do some digital courses. And of course, they're on the computer if that's the case, or they're doing some coursework and then they submit it by email. So there's always going to be reasons. I think what it kind of boils down to, it seems to me, would be, are you present with 
what's important right now? Is a priority really the priority? Are you treating it like a priority? If you're supposed to be spending time with family, are you really nosing the phone? And sometimes we can do social even with a phone. It seems to me that sometimes people like be sharing and looking around and we're all looking at the, the funny picture somebody just took of their face with the app and the changes how you look and those kind of things. And that's kind of a social interaction, immediacy. But there's other times where we are distracted by our device or our technology, and it's pulling us away from those relationships. And I, I know this is a business podcast, but you know what? Business is also real life. And I want to make sure we're tackling the, the big issues because as a solopreneur, especially, this is a big part of what we do is communication. Often it's remote. It often it's by technology, whether it's Zoom, like we're talking today. It's email, it's, it could be a phone call, whatever it is, text message. We're communicating often remotely with many of our clients, especially now. And many of the folks I work with, we are never meeting our clients. We see them across the world on Zoom maybe once in a while. That's about the extent of meeting in person unless we go to a live event. And hopefully we can do that again soon. What do we do to help provide these boundaries you're talking about? How do we define boundaries and what makes something a healthy boundary? Well... Before I answer that question, I want to remind you of an extremely important function that you have on your, both your computer and your phone, and it's called do not disturb. And the other piece, and particularly on your phone, it's airplane mode. Now, there's a reason that those are on there, not just when you're on a plane, but you can actually turn those things off. So you're not getting the vibration in your pocket. You're not getting that ping as you're on a podcast or you're trying to do something else. And those are probably two of the most critical functionalities that are available on your systems because they put the power in your hands of making sure like this is time that I need to focus and concentrate and be fully present. So does that mean when you sit down at the table with your family, you have, you know, fine, you bring your phone with you, you have to turn it into air onto airplane mode, you no disruptions while you're having the meal. That doesn't mean you can't access your photographs if somebody says, hey, what were you doing today? Did you catch a good picture of that? You can still pull it up and share it, pass it around the table, but it's you're not going to get that constant disruption, which is part of the problem where the, that attention that you're talking about and creating those boundaries, it's really being self-aware and being conscious about when you decide to be disrupted and when you decide to be fully focused. And so those boundaries, they have to be personally imposed. Now with kids, we sometimes need to help and guide them through that process. But when you're talking about an adult or you're talking about business practices, getting together for a meeting, you say, it's like when I have someone on my podcast, I tell them to put your phone in airplane mode and I want you to go and I walk them through the process to turn their computer and turn the do not disturb on their computer. So you're not getting pings and distractions. You're 100% focused and you've got those boundaries there. So the tools are there for us to be able to take that power back, but you have to actually use them. And a lot of us are sort of afraid of what if I miss? It's that FOMO. What if I miss this or that? And you know what? It can wait. The world is still turning and it's not going to stop because you hop off for one hour to be fully focused and present or one day for that matter. And so sometimes we need to build those into our behaviors so that we get sort of trained up to use them on a regular basis. And then it feels good rather than feeling like stress. 
I'm like, this is my time. This is my conversation that I'm going to sit and have this one-on-one with Steve and I'm going to be 100% present and I'm not going to have the dings and I'm not going to have anything else that comes through. So I would say the boundaries have to be created by you, but you need to use the tools that enable you to do that. That makes a lot of sense. And it seems to me that that takes a lot of self-discipline as well. And I don't know that everyone has the self-discipline, but the reason why is sometimes because we don't have an understanding of what the real impacts are. So maybe that's what we should address next is what happens when someone is kind of addicted to the phone or they're, they can't seem to stop themselves from checking every single vibration that comes on their phone and they have 14 notifications popping up per hour. Why is that so hard? What is it that drives us to, to be you know, tethered to our device in the first place? So I guess there's a couple of questions that we want to dive into. What is it that causes the impact? Well, for one thing, each of those little notifications it triggers different neurotransmitters. So I won't get too far into the geeky piece of, of the way your brain is actually functioning. But really what it comes down to is you're getting these indications that actually cause a physical reaction in your brain that says, I need more of this. Or it actually can create sort of a fight or flight response. So depending on you, who you are, it may trigger your cortisol, which is your stress response, or it may trigger your serotonin, which is much more of sort of the joy and and happiness response, depending on what kind of notification or what kind of a thing is. So not only is it impacting your brain, but it's also the sort of end result is it's impacting your productivity. So really it's, if you're constantly sort of feeding off of these responses, you're not able to function, your brain function is limited and it's causing also a physiological response in your body that disrupts your ability to be focused and present and healthy. Yeah, that's a good point. And I'll say for myself personally, I tend to keep my phone completely across the room for me when I'm working. And I often have it on do not disturb. I don't have it in airplane mode, but I'll, I'll leave it across the room. And sometimes I'll even have the whole, I don't even have vibrate on. So I won't even know if there's a notification until I get around to checking my phone. But it seems to be like after the working hours, and that's when I kind of get sucked into <laughs> whatever's on Facebook, or maybe I'm out and about and I have my phone with me and not like when I'm working in my home office, then it's different. What would you suggest for somebody who says like, okay, I'm, I'm having my phone with me because maybe I'm driving, I'm using it for GPS or, or whatever, and these notifications start popping up again because I don't put on Do Not Disturb because I'm using GPS or what have you. I'm not sure that's really an issue because you're, you're busy driving. You best be paying attention to the road. But when you get to where your destination is, I guess you can take five minutes and take a look if there's anything pressing or, or whatever. But what is this that makes it so hard? I mean, you, you mentioned about some of these brain chemicals come out. It's kind of like Pavlov's dog. You ring the bell and you start salivating. So you go, okay, wow, notification comes in. Oh, wow, is, this is like the little joy hit I'm getting off of my phone device. What actually causes that to be so, I mean, I know it, you, you mentioned some of the brain chemicals, of course, and it's, it's almost like a, yeah. an addiction, a drug addiction in our, in our own body makes a drug. What brings that to that place? Why are we seem to be wired that way? I guess I'm going a little bit into more philosophical or scientific, I don't know, but why do you think we're wired that way? Well, the thing is, we, if do something, if we experience something that makes us feel good, our bodies, our brain send us a signal, said, this feels good, I want more of it, right? If we experience something that that triggers a fight or flight response, our we've 
it makes us, our body physiologically say, okay, we need to get into sort of protective mode. And so everything seizes up, right? So that's where you start seeing people having issues with lower back pain and shoulder pain. And you see this sort of technic and all of these different things that are physiological representations of the way that our, our body's response. They're actually very innate, all of these different things that happen. It's just that what we're experiencing right now is a lot of these, because everything is centralized into this one device, which is, it's a delivery mechanism. It's The device is not the problem. It's the information that's coming from the device. And the fact that it's all focused in on this one particular device, we're talking about a smartphone there, you have the additional effect of these physiological attributes of how we engage with that device. So most likely you have to be looking at a screen. It's a blue screen. So you end up having sort of, you know, seized neck muscles from having your neck craned down to look at the device. Your eyes can start having issues. It's also a stress, a stressor to actually be looking at the blue light. There's all of these different physiological implications, but it's all they're all responses to their normal human responses. It's part of our own evolution. But so it's more important that, you know, we're not going to change the human body. What we need to do is to really work much more on our awareness of that body, awareness of that brain, and what are the triggers that are causing those problems. So it's like, I guess the easiest way for me to explain it is if you're in a toxic relationship with anything or anyone for that matter, sometimes we go back to it just because it's where our comfort zone is. That doesn't mean it's good for us. The best thing that we can do is actually separate ourselves from that toxic relationship. And But we need to recognize what those triggers are. It's also something that's good for us. It's good for us to a certain extent, but too much of anything good is can be bad. So we need to build our own boundaries around what feels good and what's healthy for us. So that's where that human relationship with technology, it's a relationship like any relationship. And we have to build awareness around what's good for us and what's not, and really being empowered to take control of that in a positive way. That's a really good point, too. So, so what tips would you, because you know, we're kind of doing it, right? Not stepping back and looking at what we're doing. So what are some ways that people can say, okay, do I have an issue with technology? How do I assess that and recognize when there are issues that I need to deal with? What are some ways that people can say, okay, this is clearly a, a red flag or, or this is okay? How do you determine that? Yeah, I think, I mean, you can look at uh, your productivity, I think, is an easy measurement Thing. But I think, you know, when you're talking about actual solutions for either scaling back or identifying what's good, what's not, like a, a regular elimination diet that we sometimes do for finding out allergies or finding out if there's something that's toxic in our system, the best way to, to really identify what's not working is to eliminate everything that's not absolutely crucial and then add things back in slowly so that you can see whether your body responds in a positive or a negative way. So that doesn't necessarily mean, I mean, today it's really almost virtually impossible to, particularly if you're an entrepreneur with an online business in any way, to just do a complete digital detox of removing everything. 
And really, you don't need to go to that extreme. But what you can do is go through your phone, for example, and remove all of the apps that you don't use anymore or that are not serving you anymore. And just by virtue of clearing out all of those things and paring down to what's absolutely critical and then slowly, okay, well, maybe I'm missing out on this. I need to add that back in. You can slowly add things in sort of couple days at a time so you can see how you both physiologically and productivity-wise respond to it. Do you feel better? Are you getting the things done that you need to get done? Are you still missing something? Okay, what's working, what's not? What you'll also find is that because technology is advancing so fast, we end up having different apps that do the same thing, different things in our lives that are sort of over, you're sort of overcompensating for you. And we don't take the time to purge the things that we don't need anymore. But they're still sending us notifications. They're still there. But there's also things that are working just fine. We don't necessarily need to upgrade or update that sometimes it's better to stick with what works. It's like the old adage, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? So by doing this sort of digital elimination diet, we can really recognize how we optimize ourselves and our workflows. Yeah, it's a great point. And while you were talking, I, I just remembered an app. I used to use it a lot on my computer because it saved me from wasting a lot of time on sites that, that weren't serving me. But I, while you were talking, I was like, I had to just jump onto my other screen here and take a peek. Uh, there's an app called Rescue Time. And it can show you where are you spending your time at. And it also works in iOS and Android. So if you're like wondering, what am, where is my time going? Maybe that would be an app to consider just to see what's going on. But I love your idea. You know, you don't have to buy something. You can just hit do not disturb. You can just go through and and just turn off everything. Now, I like the elimination diet idea because it just makes logical sense. If I don't crucially need this for my business right now, then I can turn it off. I can uninstall Angry Birds. I can live without that for a week. Give that a try. How much time are you really spending? But if you need to have a little more insight into where... Is your time going an app like Rescue Time? It seems to me it might be an idea. I don't have any affiliation with Rescue Time. I just thought it might be an opportunity for somebody who's like, okay, I'm not sure where I'm spending my time. Uh, might be a possibility. Let's say that you go to the elimination diet and say, okay, I brought those things out and I started introducing it back in. I guess the question is, is really, what kind of techniques would you recommend as far as bringing it back in? You wouldn't obviously say add everything back at once. You're saying like add it one at a time. But do we really need to do that at all? I, I guess there's a question. What, how do you decide this is the app I'm going to bring back in? I, to me, it seemed like it's kind of intuitive, but I wonder if there's any particular strategies you would have as far as bringing your phone back to adding apps or bringing your computer back to adding extensions or websites you might normally visit. Like I know one thing I did, I'm just going to share for the audience, is when I kind of did a digital detox on my computer because I was using that a lot more than my phone because I work on the computer quite a bit. And I actually went to the point of not just stopping using sites, but I actually removed all my bookmarks that were associated with like news sites. And I said, I'm going to get off the news. And I deleted the entire folder of bookmarks that went to news sites. I just didn't want to have that temptation to easily click and, and check whatever news station I wanted to check that moment. I actually have since added them back, but I don't use them as much. But I have noticed that it's starting to creep into my time usage a little bit more. And maybe it's time to do another detox. So just another potential strategy. But for you, and when you talk to someone, how do you recommend recognize when it's okay to bring things back? 
Well, I mean, like you said, a, a lot of times what we realize is, wait a minute, I don't really miss that. I don't, I didn't need it after all. So it doesn't just because you're adding things back in doesn't mean you need to add everything back in, right? And every person is different in terms of how long they need in order to recognize whether something has a reaction or not. So for me to say, okay, well, three days, one day, I mean, for some people, one day is enough. It really depends on how active you are on it before you recognize whether there's a reaction. Is this helpful? Is it not helpful? But I think minimum one day, and you don't want to add things at the same time. It's kind of like with a regular elimination diet. If you add two things back on the same day, you don't know which thing you've actually reacted to, or is it a combination of the two? So it's important to do it gradually and and even keep a journal about it to really just note sort of like, okay, this is the effect of adding this thing back in, or it hasn't had any impact at all. So I think it's really important to do it in a very conscientious way. It's not just about, okay, like purge it, and then we'll just add everything back in and see what happens. Yeah. You have to be really clear on on the results. And the other, to, to your point, is to revisit it every six months and maybe even get it. It's like some people do an elimination diet or do a detox on their bodies once every six months or once a season. Certainly for a lot of us, we do a dry January and a, you know, a whatever, September, sort of after the summer to sort of get your body back to a better baseline. It's the same thing. It's sort of every once in a while because changing constantly, particularly with technology, just constant change. Sometimes the things that you're going to add in may not be the things that you had in there before. So I think it's important to recognize that constant transformation and really harness it in a way that that suits what your needs and what your the way that you react and respond. Yeah, I think a really big takeaway here is you don't have to be at the mercy of your technology and it doesn't have to sap all of your productivity because you're spending so much time in distraction mode. And it's okay to have some distraction. I don't think it's wrong to have distraction sometimes. It's nice to have that break, but but plan the break. Plan the time when you're going to, like Dr. Heidi said, put it on Do Not Disturb and then maybe set five minutes aside where you're going to check your phone and see if there's anything that you want to peek at and then get back to work. That way your productivity remains high. And if you need to do a full digital detox, that's perfectly not only acceptable, but recommended, it sounds like. So that would be really powerful as well. And I know you've been writing on this topic and speaking on this topic for quite some time, actually. And that's why you, you have the, the Digital Self Mastery Series that I mentioned earlier, and you have podcasts specifically. I'd love to hear a little bit about more how you're using those to help business owners. Sure. Well, so, I mean, a lot of this came out of my dissertation work on being at work, which was basically how do we use technology to, you know, we harness technology to help us be more physically present in the workplace. And a lot of the findings that came out of my study were really about that we're, unfortunately, we're, we've been developed a lot of these bad habits, but we're also using, we're not using technology to our fullest advantage. And we're not getting to a place where what I refer to as harmonious with our technology. And so spilled into uh, years of writing and talking to entrepreneurs and talking to, to business owners to really understand how their organizations are integrating technologies and what processes they're using in order to 
create an environment where they have a healthy relationship with technology. So it goes beyond just what apps are you using and when is there downtime. And But it's the design of the spaces and the way that we interact and making sure that when we have the opportunity to have human interaction, that we do it in a way that really creates that positive dopamine hit that we get from interaction with people, not just the trigger of the cortisol, the stress back because of the tool that you're using in order to engage with those people, particularly the experience during this last year of mostly remote work. A lot of people, just the process of logging on to Zoom and dealing with all of these different technologies that some people aren't familiar with can be such a trigger that it impacts the interaction and how you engage with the people on the other end. So it's that mediated tool and that environment. But it also, we have to look at the bright side of the fact that, wow, we can actually communicate. Even though we have to be confined to these enclosed spaces, we can still have that interaction. So it's looking at, I look at it from much uh, the much bigger picture of how do we create that positive relationship so it doesn't become the friction, but it becomes that harmonious connection that helps us be more human and engage with humans in a better way. And so some of that is from an individual level of making sure that you're not having those disruptions so that when you do engage, you're fully present, whether it's with a physical person on the other end like you, or whether it's with the content that I'm creating and how I use my devices and my technology so that I can have a more authentic interaction, or whether it's the whole system of how you organize an organization that you can have really fluid interactions with the humans in your organization, whether that's your employees or in your community, or whether it's the people that you're creating products and services for. So my work is really much more on the bigger picture level and really making sure that we're harnessing the potential with technology in a better way so that we can be more human from just objects of our technology. I heard one thing I was going to point out when you were speaking just now also, and it kind of just picked up, is that you can have a cortisol hit. You're getting a stress response when you're hearing from a client or a coworker or a colleague or, or a vendor or something like that. It seems to me it may not be a digital issue, but maybe there's some other issues there that you need to work on that is not specifically digital. And don't be afraid to jump in and address those issues. Sometimes we try to ignore issues and hope they go away. And really, that is rarely effective over the long run. You might allow things to, if it's an ongoing issue, if it's a one-time thing, just throw it off, no big deal. But if you have an ongoing, every single time that particular client or that vendor or that colleague or whatever reaches out to you and you get this stress response, there's a bigger issue at play. And, and I wouldn't blame the technology on that. That's really an issue of interaction and make sure you're addressing that particular interaction head on. What is the relationship issue? And can you resolve that in an effective way? And sometimes it's just a matter of communicating better. Can you communicate? Pick up the phone and have a conversation or, or meet or meet on Zoom, whatever it takes to resolve what's the underlying causation of stress. If you're having a stress response, something's wrong. It shouldn't be stressful. I mean, I think we should love our business. And, and yes, sometimes there's, there's things happen in business. It's just the way things is. But you should, generally speaking, love what you do and love the people you interact with. And if you're not, time to make a change. And it doesn't mean that you're like dropping the client or kicking the colleague, 
it means that you are finding solutions and not avoiding an issue. So I hope that makes sense too. Well, absolutely. I mean, I think to your point, Steve, I think it's very easy for us to blame technology for those cortisol hits that we get. But if you think about it, sometimes it's that, oh, I hate when my phone rings or I hate when my phone vibrates. Why do you hate when your phone vibrates? Well, it's probably that client that's been pestering you that you don't really want to hear from or you don't really want to deal with that issue head on. That has nothing to do with the device. That has to do with your relationship with that client or that person that that's trying to get in touch with you. And to your point, it, it's so important for us to create that awareness of what is that trigger? What, you know, what is the thing that's actually causing that stress response for you? It's, and separating that out from the devices themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this has been a great conversation. I would, I would love to share with our listeners where they can learn more about you and get into your work because you, you have a lot of resources, books and podcasts. So can you share where they can find you at and, and learn more? Sure. So the central place they can find everything is my Wayne website. It's uh, Two Balance You. That's the number two, the word balance, B-A-L-A-N-C-E, the letter U.com. From there, you'll be able to find my books, my podcasts, everything. Most of my work is really, I, I work doing advisory for companies around digital well-being and ethics and also looking at the future of workplace. But There you'll be able to see there's a lot of great resources, a lot of great interviews on evolving digital self with, you know, one of my favorite things about the work that I do now in the podcast is I get to speak with the most interesting people and look at the different resources that are out there to support people to have a uh, better transition to having a better relationship with technology and really helping support humanity in a better way. And so that's really exciting. And I love the way that I love some of all of the guests that I've had on that show. And Global Nomad Hacks is really just more of a fun, you know, being a nomad myself and and married to a Swede, was born American, but we sort of spend our lives between both Europe and the US. And so that has really led to a a better understanding of what it means to to be and raise good global citizens. And so that podcast really talks about both that and what does that mean for us as business owners and the future of workplace and the fact that we can have that mobility. So there's a lot of really interesting conversations that overlap between those two that have been a lot of fun and will continue to be in the future. Awesome. Well, this has been a great conversation, Dr. Heidi. I really appreciate your time today. And for our listeners, I'll definitely have the links in the show notes. So you'll find that there. And thank you so much for sharing your time with us and your wisdom on digital. It's been my pleasure. Thank you, Steve, for having me. Thank you for listening to the Solopreneur Success Podcast. We hope you discovered valuable advice on how to start and grow your own successful solopreneur business. If you liked the podcast, you'll love the all-new Solopreneur Success Connections community at solopreneurcoach.com. Here you'll get exclusive access to our private, members-only community of business builders, free business building resources, and live online monthly training designed to accelerate your business success. Join us now at solopreneurcoach.com. Hey, Solopreneurs, it's Steve Combs again. You can download the show notes for this episode at solopreneurcoach.com forward slash 043. 
And if you're not a member of my free Solopreneur Success Connections community yet, here's another great reason to join. All new episodes, including this one, now include transcripts which are emailed to all members soon after the release of each new episode. You'll find a link to that membership page where you can join for free on this and every episode's show notes page. Again, for this episode, visit solopreneurcoach.com forward slash 043.